0: Hello, I am so excited. This is Melissa Hale Spencer, the editor of the Altamont Enterprise, to welcome Ashley Pierce. And I just want to tell you how I heard about Ashley. Terry Conroy, who owns Once Upon a Farm where she raises llamas in Gilderland, wrote about a trip that a group of 4-H'ers headed by Ashley made to her farm, and she called it wonderful beyond words. And I quote, In this day of techno-social media yuck, what an inspired group, thanks to Ashley. She is a wonder woman for our area youth. So, welcome, Ashley. We want to hear about this. (laughs) Well, I'm so excited to be here.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Let's start at the beginning, where are you from originally,
1: and what's your background? How did
0: you get into being the Wonder Woman for youth?
1: <laughs> well, Terry's very flattering, but I uh, i am from Skihari County, and I grew up in Cobaskill. And uh, as a kid, I was in 4-H and FFA as well, and I just loved ag. And uh, I wasn't from a farm, though, so I had to seek out those opportunities in other ways. So that's what drew me to kind of the formal, um, you know, uh, Uh, offerings like that for youth. And I just had such a great experience that I ended up then going on for um, uh, degrees in livestock and dairy in college. And I'm actually working on my master's in sustainable food systems right now. It should be done in the spring. Okay, just backing up for the uninitiated, FFA is Future Farmers of America. And
0: tell us a little about the degrees you got and the one that you're working on because it went by so
1: fast. I'm not sure I grasped it. Yeah, so I have an associate's in beef and livestock production, and so there we just learned a lot about animal science, like we're doing with the 4-H'ers. So Mm -hmm. we learned about uh, sheep, goats, beef, pigs, all those kind of things, poultry. And then um, because New York is a predominantly dairy-focused state, I transitioned into dairy production. So I did a bachelor's in uh, dairy farm management, and I did that at uh, Morrisville State College. And during that time, I continued to volunteer with 4-H, and I just, I really love the ag education. Um, and now you're doing a master's. Yes. And what, what is that on? Uh, it's called, uh, it's through Green Mountain College, and it's Sustainable okay. Food Systems. And it really ties together all of the technical background I had with a lot of, um, you know, policy and philosophy and just kind of understanding the system as a whole. So how our food is getting to our plate and all the different ways that that is happening.
0: That sounds like a really big topic. What what makes it sustainable? What does that mean? Sustainable food system.
1: Well, I guess in the program we're exploring uh, agriculture systems and food systems that focus on the triple bottom line of um, social, environmental, and economic sustainability. So just being conscious of everything that you're – every decision you're making based on those three things. So social so-
0: – Economic and and environmental.
1: environmental. So, just to unpack that a little,
0: both for me and our listeners, the environmental part I think is easy to grasp. You don't want to be polluting when you're growing crops or raising animals. You don't want to be hurting your surroundings. Economic, I think, is pretty understandable too. It means that you want to be able to continue in business and make enough money that you can expand or at least maintain but how does the social fit into that?
1: Um, you know I guess including all the different people that we can and just making sure that people are having a living wage and that they're treated well on farms and um, through the whole process not just on the farm but in the processing and right until it gets to our our plate. Um, so treating them well making sure they have a, a decent wage all of those kind of things um, and I think thinking of in that social aspect, thinking of how our future generations can come onto a farm or make that a sustainable career. So that's part of what excites me so much about 4-H is that our, the age of the average farmer is really increasing. Do you know what it is? I think it's above 60.
0: Wow. But don't, I
1: need to double check that because it has fluctuated a little. Yeah. But it is, it is quite high. And uh, so we need a lot more young people to come into farming. And it's not something that is maybe easily accessible to a lot of people that you're not from a farm and it might be hard to, um, you know, break into that kind of that realm. So Mm -hmm. 4-H is there to provide those experiences.
0: So 4-H acts as almost a feeder system for farms. It's a way the kids can get to learn about being a farmer. Is that the idea?
1: Yeah, you know, so 4-H is really very, very diverse. So my focus is animal science and Mm -hmm. agriculture. Um, But within 4-H, we have kids that make, um, uh, they do sewing projects and crafts and art. And they just took a trip to Washington, D.C. Um, you know, to see how the Capitol works. They, there's a teen action group that puts on a brunch every year for a fundraiser. Uh, we just went to study um, different careers in ag business at SUNY Cobeskill And within that, we looked at horticulture and equine and canine and just a really wide variety of things. So 4-H, it's really to try to explore... You know, a a lot of different career and just, you know, good, wholesome activities. So your role with the 4-H
0: is how far-reaching is it? What's the geographic area? And what specifically do you do with that?
1: So there's a 4-H, or I shouldn't say there's a 4-H office in every county, but every county should kind of be covered by someone. I just do Albany County, though. I'm responsible just for Not just. That's pretty big. That's our coverage area. (laughs) (laughs) We're
0: the Altamont Enterprise and Albany County Post. So uh, how much of Albany County is rural? Do you deal
1: just with the rural areas, or do you have city kids and suburban kids, too? You know, so in the animal science programming, it seems right now it's more rural youth. But Mm -hmm. in the 4-H program as a whole, we do have a lot of urban youth as well.
0: So I think I understood from a brief conversation we had earlier that there had been kind of a falling off of the 4-H Groups that focused on farm animals—is that true?
1: Yeah. Um, again, to kind of not to focus on the diversity of 4-H, but there are so many different programs happening that they didn't have someone dedicated to agriculture or livestock um, in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So that area has gotten a little smaller. Um, but. But now we're hoping to bring that back. So currently we have about 300 enrolled youth. And in the past, though, it's been um, as high as 400 and 500. So we're hoping to increase those numbers. So has it fallen off in recent years just
0: because there's fewer farms around? Or you mentioned you yourself weren't on a farm, yet you sought these things out. And is it your role or goal to try to get kids who aren't necessarily on a farm interested in doing this? And how does that work? How do you... How do you do that?
1: Yeah, we would love that. We try to do a lot of outreach. Um, so at a lot of public events, we'll go and have a table and talk about what we do. And um, a cool thing that I do as well is because my job is animal science, we also do canine programs. So we have a dog club that um, the youth meet in. So there's kind of different um, entry points that if they don't have a livestock animal, they could still be in 4-H and then maybe move into a livestock um uh, project, as, as a youth myself, I did a lot with horses, and I never owned a horse, but I was able to, um, I was able to do a, a lease with a local farmer in Skahari that enabled me to do the project. So it's also we can facilitate those relationships between the youth and local farms. So maybe they're an urban child that wants to do something with a dairy cow. We could try to make that connection for them to help. Uh, ha- help them get those opportunities. Where we at the
0: Enterprise intersect with 4-H is at the Altamont Fair. You know, every year when we cover the fair, we cover a lot of stories about kids either showing their animals or demonstrating various things. And the one thing that I always wonder when I see how attached these kids get to their animals and how knowledgeable they are about them, and some of them are animals the kind that gets slaughtered. I mean, is that a difficult thing for a kid to have to deal with, you know, the idea that you care for these creatures and know them, and then
1: they end up on the table? Uh, you know, I'm sure everyone's got a different feeling going into that, but I think a lot of the projects, right from the beginning, this they know that this will be the animal that's going to go to the freezer, maybe. And um, I think... What really is important about 4-H is it's, I think the only youth organization that has such a strong animal component, and they really take pride in doing really high quality work with those animals. So um, they know where their food comes from. They're able to provide a really healthy and uh, just, like sustainably and safely raised product. So I'm sure that there is some emotional element there, but I think there's also a great deal of satisfaction from doing it, doing your project really well, raising a healthy animal, and then providing that safe, healthy food to your family or friends.
0: Yeah, because most of the rest of us just eat the food without yeah. having the relationship. So tell us a little about the rest of your job. I know you said you're about half with the youth and half with adult education. So just kind of give us the lay of the land of, I don't know if you have a typical day or not, but
1: what maybe a typical week involves? Or Yeah, so my other... Responsibility revolves around adult education, as you mentioned, and my big push for that is to do a family farm day, is what we've called it. And um, the focus for family farm day is to educate people that are not from farms about what's happening in agriculture. So this year, in 2017, it was hosted at Stanton's Dairy Farm in Queemans Hollow, Mm -hmm. and we had over 750 people come. We had a variety of stations where they could really get the full experience of a modern dairy uh, our goal is to rotate that to different farms through Albany County from year to year. Um, and this year, 2018, you know, coming up is still under wraps, but we're working on that. Um, <laughs> yes, it was yeah. a secret. But, but was
0: this 2017 the first year that you did that? Uh, yes. And yes. such a huge turnout. Yeah, we were really fortunate. Wow, good for you. You are wonder woman. So what... Um, the function of the day is just to kind of acquaint people where their food comes from, or is it to interest people in perhaps becoming farmers or how what what is the purpose of the family farm day?
1: Well, you know maybe all of the above I think probably primary goal is to show people where their food comes from. so mm-hmm. we had various stations set up through the farm. Uh, one was a calving station where we had cows that were about ready to calve. We had vets on hand that could help with the process, and people could watch and see you know how a calf is born. Um, We also had a machinery station where people could look at machinery that's used on a modern farm. Um, We had a children's area where FFA and 4-H had displays and could try to recruit more youth into their organizations. Um, There was a station on feed and manure, technology in in farming. So it's a lot of uh, consumer education to try to help them understand what's happening on a farm. But then we had a ton of extension staff. We had the youth programming as well. So if someone had an interest in continuing um working on ag as an individual we could provide that support to
0: so how big is the extension staff how many
1: people are involved
0: all together roughly just ballpark i'm just trying to see what you fit into i
1: know you know it's so hard i have to really think because we have so many different areas within our office so there's 4-h and within 4-h we have an urban educator that does um you know a lot of really fantastic programming with urban youth we have environmental science uh, someone that does teens, another person that's running the whole program, then we have HEAP, uh, another ag site ag- and heat is a- home energy yeah. assistant program. Okay. I would say probably 30, 35 oh, in the office, but such a wide variety. And this of is all on Martin Road in Voorheesville in yes. that building. Wow. Yeah.
0: What I, I noticed there is the garden, of course, is so beautiful, oh, but the yes. building I didn't know was that big 30 people. So um, this is all under the umbrella of Cornell. It's a Cornell cooperative extension, or
1: it is yeah. correct. Yep. Okay. And each county will be represented by an extension. Um, office and there's different. There's a vegetable team that covers a. It's like in the teens. I don't remember the exact number, but it's kind of the eastern side of New York. And there's a Central New York team. So there's mm-hmm. there's various overlaps of different people that are specialists in their areas that can help with any questions that you have.
0: And so it sounds like when you were describing this family farm day, you kind of cross pollinate in your office. I mean, different people like help out with that because that was your project and. Use, yes. Yeah. Cross over other things.
1: We had a master gardener's help. Uh, the master gardener coordinator actually. We had um, people from the capital region. There's a agriculture and horticulture team that covers a variety of counties, and uh, they came to assist. And uh, you know, it was, it was definitely a team effort. So, if you're
0: a new farmer starting out, is are you someone that people can call for advice on questions, or is your your role strictly to kind of work on the consumer end of education for adults?
1: Well, you know, a little of both. I could help the small kind of homestead person, but mm-hmm. we do have a dedicated beginning farmer educator, and he covers Albany County. And um, But I could definitely connect people with him. So there's, there's also a full-time person just to help beginning farmers? There is, yes.
0: Oh, wow, isn't that great? Yeah. I wonder if a lot of people know that. I didn't know it.
1: Um, Yeah, we have so many specialists. We have a livestock, farm business, beginning farmer, um, agronomy. There's really a ton of great things happening.
0: So... How, like, just give us a sense. I know it sounds like you do so many different things, you don't have a typical day. But give us an idea of, like, maybe a typical week, like what your work consists of. Apparently, you went physically in person to Terry Conroy's farm with this group. So you're, like, out in the field a lot? Or, like, how how does, unpack a week for us.
1: Yeah, you know, it, like you said, it's it's hard to really come up with a typical day or week. Yeah. But um, because my job's animal science, I'm trying to provide those opportunities for youth and adults so um like coming up we have a a 4-h field trip to the Tamel uh beef farm Mm -hmm. coming up and that's in new scotland i oh it's in burn yeah so marcella um (laughs) so maybe let me go back so maybe that could be on a sunday and then monday i would be in the office maybe prepping for um you know another thing we have going on like i with the canine club where we just made biscuits that we're going to be um, donating to a local shelter, to the Animal Protective Foundation. So some of it is actual like boots on the ground, kind of on the farm. And then I do a lot of planning to prep for the next activity. Um, and then we'll also do a lot of just speaking engagements. Like this year, I got to help a lot with the um, Indian Ladder Farms barn school. So I brought rabbits. I raised rabbits at home. And so I'd bring them and do education on the rabbits for the kids and then go back in the office and get ready to to plan you know, and prep future activities that are happening. So I guess it's a mix of on-farm and office, probably third out and about, and two-thirds in the office kind of planning programs and activities.
0: And do you have particular goals set out for yourself? How long have you been at this job, in this post?
1: Well, you know, I worked at Rensselaer County Extension for about three years before this, Mm -hmm. and then I left and did other ag things in between, and I've been here for, since February, so 10-ish months, something like that, nine months. So you've made a splash in just (laughs) ten months. Do you have goals going forward that you'd like to accomplish for Albany County in your role? You know, I would just really love to support the animal science programming. Definitely, like get more kids involved and try to up our numbers in the 4-H program. Um, You know, I, I think also the numbers at our fair have maybe gone down in past years. We don't have as many kids maybe showing animals. I'd love to get more involved with showing Is this at the Altamont projects. Fair or other fairs as well or you know, I, I know our Altamont Fair. Yeah. I've heard anecdotally that there used to be more uh, you know, kids showing. So I would love to get those numbers. Well, there's still yeah. a lot
0: of kids showing. I'm always amazed. They yeah. walk around with their hens, <laughs> like their little babies in their arms, and they show their goats, and they ride their horses, and they just seem really at home in that setting.
1: You know, and the thing is, as well, like working with Terry with the llamas is fantastic because she really has a really whole kind of systems approach to working with the kids with the animals. So we talked about potentially doing something at the fair, but what she really wants, too, is the kids are going to come to her farm every week. They're going to work with the animals, but also work on the farm. So doing some barn cleaning, you know, helping maybe with grooming or clipping or something like that. That's that's maintenance for the animals, too, so they see the whole picture. And I would like to get projects like that happening. So it's not just pulling the animal out and getting them ready for the fair, but instead seeing the whole cycle of, you know, maybe... Um, you know, the rabbits from birth to to the fair and really getting the whole uh, experience so maybe oh, cat from beginning to end that kind of thing
0: so are you aware of farming in other places
1: in the world I've been so so lucky that I've really gotten to um, Uh, travel. I actually got to go to Holland on a trip to study dairy farms. I got to go to Zimbabwe last year to study um, on Alan Savory's ranch. If anyone's interested in grazing or holistic management, TED Talk, Alan Savory, it's fantastic. And uh, this year I went to Kyrgyzstan to study uh, nomadic pastoralism, local foods, and um, just understand more post-Soviet Food systems in uh, a Central Asian country. So it sounds like a mouthful. It's not. as No, I want to <laughs>
0: unpack it. So tell us yeah. what you learned in Holland, which is a country that's been farming for years and must have felt out every
1: single piece of land, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, that is more similar to the U.S., I guess, from what I saw. It was year- a couple years ago when I mm-hmm. went there, but um, that was more uh, similar to the U.S. in that it was. Big Holstein cows, type cows, and um, more modern freestalls and that type of thing. Um, really contrasting Zimbabwe and Kyrgyzstan. So tell us a little more about Zimbabwe. What brought you there in the first place? It was the most fantastic trip ever. I was working for a, a company called Maple Hill Creamery, and they're a grass-fed organic dairy uh, creamery that makes yogurt, kefir cheese, and I think just started with fluid milk. Um, that was prior to coming back to Extension. And um, there's a, a really influential person, Alan Savory, who really coined holistic management, like the term, and really promoted its use in agriculture. And what and that what is, does is that mean, holistic management? It's really focusing on that triple bottom line that I mentioned earlier, the, yeah, the three social, things. economic, and environmental um you know, considerations in your decisions. And the cool thing about Zimbabwe, like beyond cool, is that they just changed their farming style and rivers that had run dry were running again. They went from um, 80% food aid in these villages to growing 100% of their own food and then selling excess just by changing their management. And it was completely life-changing for these villages. And I guess seeing that too really it was so exciting. Um, they were having struggles over water. They were going and walking to the stream to try to get water and it would run out very early in the day. But by changing how they were grazing the cattle, it changed the water cycle and the energy cycle and mineral cycle and all these things that then allowed them to grow more of their own food. The water's running again. Um, and it was just like a 180, complete 180 And how change. long
0: did it take? In this change of management to see the changes where the water ran again and there was enough food to feed everyone, how, how long did that transition
1: take? It was over the course of years. I mean, yeah. it wasn't, I, I would say probably at least five years, something like that. I would have to um, go back and research, but it was a couple, it was years. But what they were doing was all, prior to that, managing their cattle individually. So I'd have one cow, you'd have two cows, your neighbor would have two cows, and you would take them out, and they would overgraze, and you were all... You weren't working together. Mm -hmm. So what they did was put all the cattle together and all herd them together, manage as one. And then they were able to just not – they weren't intentionally abusing the land, but just because they weren't working as a team, they weren't using it very effectively.
0: And who oversaw this? I mean, what was the guiding light for this change? Because that – Getting so many different people to work together.
1: You know, it's really the education done through the holistic management, through Alan Savory. Um, So they have an institute called the Savory Institute that does this work worldwide. And I was in Africa, and I got to meet people there from Pakistan, from Australia, other parts of the U.S. And um, like the people in Pakistan, they're talking about how here we're saving a way of life, and we're getting more nutritious food. But... The representative from Pakistan, she's like, you know, we're it's life or death in Pakistan. Um, they were talking about trying to positively affect five miles, and the people from the U.S. are like, wow, it doesn't seem like you're really doing very much, like just trying to affect five miles of positive change. And what she said, she's like, you don't understand that in five miles we have twenty five thousand farmers, because oh each one has one or two animals. They're they're very close in proximity, so it's just a worldwide movement and so the savory institute um provided kind of the the start or the you know push for this education that they um try to really promote on a regional basis so they'll have a hub they call it a hub system so they'll have a representative in say that area of zimbabwe that is part of the community and can be a person like if someone came um they don't want outside people coming and telling the community how to function because it's just not going to be as effective. They don't know the intricacies of everything that's happening. So they'll try to find a representative in the community that can be trained in this um, kind of management system and then help disseminate so it's like that. from the ground up exactly. from the community itself yes, exactly. rather than
0: imposed from above. And
1: the community decides together because they all want ownership of it. They want to make sure the decisions that they're making, the people have ownership of those decisions and are willing to do them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, they don't want to provide oversight. and you know They're not trying to force anything. They're trying to just help provide education that the people can then use to, to better their lives. So then, Kyrgyzstan, how did that fit into your... Why did you travel um, there, and what did you learn there? It was wonderful. It was uh, part of my master's program, and we had a professor that did a lot of work in Kyrgyzstan and did her Ph.D. there and continues to work there. And um, it, it's a really fantastic region that is the area of the world where a lot of our food came from originally so there's wild apples there apricots almonds walnuts and when i say wild it's not like like here we have um you know kind of feral apples or you know they're they're not truly wild where they're like that's the the spring from which these these plants came from so we got to see the original plants we got to pick wild apricots and eat them like on the side of these farm pastures hey. and They also are nomads, and so we traveled with them in their yurts and saw how they manage their animals, and it's a truly localized food system there. Um, Because they were controlled by the Soviet Union for so long, and there was food shortages so often, they were really encouraged to have these home gardens. So a great deal of their food comes from their home gardens and the livestock that they um, are grazing in kind of a, a nomadic way. They're moving to different parts of the it's like a step kind of area, like a high plane.
0: One maybe off the topic question: You mentioned this PhD, and you said she—you're a woman. Is there a kind of a modern movement for more women to be in farming? Was it traditionally a male thing, and now
1: there are more women, or? Can you comment on that at all? Yeah, I think there really are more women. You know, I don't have statist- statistics. <laughs> if I can get this out of my mouth. But I don't have real statistics on the numbers, but I know that it's definitely growing. And I feel um, that I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, targeted information and targeted uh, programs for women. Like I know the Farm Service Agency has a special loan fund set aside that are available for uh, beginning farmers, young farmers, and... Um, and then, kind of socially disadvantaged, like women or maybe minorities that wouldn't um, normally, yes, wouldn't support. maybe have the background yeah. or the support. Exactly. So I wonder
0: why that is that women are coming coming forward as farmers now. I
1: I don't know. You know, I've heard people say that it's kind of like the nurturing nature of a woman. You know, to it's kind of maybe natural, but um, not that a man isn't nurturing. I think we all are, but maybe. I don't know, but I I definitely agree that I see a lot more women. Or maybe it's just part of the larger movement because the women used to
0: support the men who were the farmers. Most of us have in our background some farmer with a farm wife who did a lot of work, but it wasn't, you know, it's... Do you have animals yourself?
1: Yes, I raise meat rabbits, and I just got a flock of sheep, and I have some layers, and I do broilers in the Okay, we have to back up. That's (laughs) a lot.
0: You have meat rabbits, that's rabbits that raise for eating. Do yes. a lot of people around here eat
1: rabbits? I um, didn't, I wasn't aware of that. You know, I found a uh, some ethnic um, interests. So I have some customers that are French, Greek, and Italian. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so how do you
0: find them? How do you hook up I just tell customers? everybody that I raise
1: rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> Whether they want to listen or not, I talk about my rabbits. And then so, yeah.
0: Yeah, and then the next thing you said, you just got a flock of sheep? Yes. And how many sheep? Uh, 17. Wow. (laughs) I don't know how you have time to do. Wonder Woman is right. So where, where are you located? Where are your sheep? How many acres do you have to have them on?
1: You know, I just rent right now. Um, My friend has some property that's, that's very nice and well suited to raising livestock. And I rent from her in Otsego County actually. So I have a little bit of a commute, but it's totally worth it because the, I love the farm and my animals, but I also really have a passion for extension. So how far is it to Otsego?
0: <laughs> I'm just trying to figure
1: out. When I asked about
0: your week, it's now becoming a lot more complicated. Know. It's about an hour commute, like about 50 miles. So you must have someone else there maintaining the sheep when you're here. No?
1: You know, I do chores before and after work usually. You
0: drive an hour every day? <laughs> both two times? You, you drive an hour to work, go
1: back and do sheep, then drive and... Twice a day? I do. But, you know, I worked for Rensselaer County for about three years, and I had a similar commute. And at the time, I left because of this, because I'm like, well, I could find a job that's closer and that maybe is, you know, has a more concrete schedule, et cetera, et cetera. But then I left Extension, and it was like I I had to come back. I couldn't. I mean, (laughs) I was only gone for a couple months, and I'm like, I need to go back. And that's actually why I went back to get my master's was to, um, I think, really have a, a, a successful career in extension. You you need that advanced degree. And um, so that's why I went back. I'm like, I have to do everything I can to try to make myself a good candidate for a, a good position with, with CCE because it's just such a hugely rewarding program. Why, why
0: are you so passionate
1: about this? It's contagious, <laughs> but I want to get to the bottom of it. I just, I, I really love agriculture, and I, I really I want to like spread that. I really think we can like save the world with good farming. You know, I think... Um, You're a zealot. <laughs> I really... Yes, I'm being converted. <laughs> I love it. You know, my family was from Schahiri, or they were from, they were Palantines that mm-hmm. moved to Schahiri in 1712. We still have the original uh, gravestone that we can go visit. Oh, and, part of that migration that came up the river and over the yeah. mountains.
0: Oh my And gosh.
1: They were farmers until my grandparents' generation, and then farming just wasn't... You know, it started to lose viability, and they sold the farm, and my parents' generation didn't continue, and I just, I don't know. I, I see, like, where I live now, um, one of the people, they built a house there. Uh, the neighbor built a house, and we said, why do you build a house up here? What made you find this area? It's the top of a mountain in the middle of nowhere. He's like, there were so many dairy farms here. We knew we could build a house safely because they'd have to clear the roads to get the milk out. And that was probably 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And now there's no dairies left anymore. And it's just the change is so rapid. Like, like we're just losing so many farms, small farms like that. And I would love to promote, you know, uh, tr- try to help people get back into that. And if I can help these kids to learn the joys of farming and try to make it a viable and career And with for your them. master's
0: degree, those three prongs to keep it sustainable. I, but yeah. is it, do you think it's realistic i hate to ask that. no as no no
1: <laughs> for sure because i um ask myself the same thing all the time like last night at 10 30 i was chasing sheep in the snow <laughs> because um, uh they had run away and i'm like why am i doing all of this um, i totally yeah I, yeah i it's definitely love that do you pushes, have a sheep herding dog no unfortunately no. Mine, so you just herding your own sheep they're they're the opposite of helpful. Yeah. <laughs> like, what kind of like, sheep are they? Uh, Dorpers. They're a, a meat breed and yeah. they um, they shed actually instead of, they have wool, but it sheds so you don't have to shear them. It's pretty mm-hmm. neat. But, you know, is it viable? I think, I think you know, maybe with a resurgence of interest in local food, that could be helpful for a beginning farmer, um, but it, it won't, it's not easy. Definitely, it's not easy to get started. But, you know, if there's different avenues, if um, there's a lot of roles within a local foods movement or within an ag movement. Um, so, you know, I don't think you'd necessarily have to be the farm owner. You know, you could you could work for someone, intern with someone. or. Um, but it, you're right that there definitely are real challenges there to making it viable.
0: Well, I think it'll take people like you to make it work, and I'm so sorry our half an hour is up because this is just <laughs> fascinating. And I hope we... Keep track of some of the things you do. Yeah. You know, send us notices to the paper or when you have something that would make a good picture. Because I, I really feel I've been converted and <laughs> that it would be good to sort of spread spread this, this word of making the area that was once agricultural, at least partly agricultural again. If you could just kind of sum up why that's important, not just for you personally, which I understand a bit of now, but why it might be good for all of us to know where our food comes from.
1: Well, local farms and small farms in general, really any size farm, they have a great multiplier effect on the community. So they create jobs, they create um, beautiful scenery, Um they're providing really healthy food. You know, I think, I think that it's just, there was a study, and I forget who did it, but they showed that where there were more small farms, there were more churches and more youth groups and more um, community groups, and there was just a richer, uh, you know, community dynamic happening. And besides that, I think, you know, knowing your farmer and where your food comes from, you're going to choose maybe healthier options and um, encourage that sustainable environmental practice to be happening on the farm and uh yeah i just i think it can really change the world and make make it a very you know it can really change it for the better having good quality farms and they don't need to be small i don't want to like emphasize small i think just well well managed farms the farm we had family farm day at was a large farm but they're absolutely practicing stellar yeah. yeah stellar environmental work and they treat their employees like family and they were the best people you could ever hope to work with. So it's more, I guess, the management style than... Um, the size. Yeah. And knowing, and that was really why we wanted to do a family farm day like that, was to get people to understand what's happening on a farm and just appreciate you know, the hard work and the, the dedication and stewards that these farmers are.